Crab is uh, very overrated as an objective. It's just another camp. So if you can't take it, give it up. I mean, that, that's really like the kind of the key mindset in like high elo is just knowing when to accept giving up things. It's fine if someone dies. It's fine if you have to give up a camp. It's fine if you have to give up an, an objective. But just make sure that that like one death doesn't turn into five deaths. You know, you don't want to snowball disadvantages. Welcome to Challenger Insights, where we dive into the minds of the best League of Legends players to figure out how they think about the game. I'm your host, Lucas, and today I'm joined by Parnelli X. He's a Challenger Warwick jungle main, and he's reached up to 700 LP in Challenger, putting him in the top 50 on the NA leaderboard. He's consistent too, as he has reached Challenger in every season since Season 8. Before we get started, we're hosting a Q&A with ParnelliX on the Challenger Insights Discord. If you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, it'll be happening today at 4pm Central Time or 10pm in the UK. The link for the Discord will be in the show notes. If you're listening to this later and you missed out, be sure to join the Discord to be notified of future episodes and events like these. ParnelliX, it's really great to have you here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, happy to be on here. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. All right. So tell me, what makes Warwick so interesting to you? Uh, why do you play Warwick specifically? Oh, uh, there's a lot of angles I could attack this question, really. But um, I guess I'll just talk about, I guess, my history with like playing League in general. I, I remember back in Season 3 when I saw on Reddit a post from Cowsep. He was, of course, a mastery player, and he wasn't popular at all at the time. He only, like posted like two videos on YouTube by that point, but he posted a video showing how to outplay people with Master Use Q uh, using Alpha Strike to like dodge, yeah, like abilities, CC and follow flashes and everything like that. And I thought that was like, that really blew my mind at the time. I thought it was so cool. I don't know why it, it was so cool to me, but in my mind, Master U was just such a noob champion. He was just like super brain dead and easy. And seeing him outplay people with Master E was just like, yeah, it, it was crazy to me. So I guess um, that kind of, you know, followed me up with, you know, when I picked up Warwick is I wanted to, I wanted to kind of be that to people with Warwick because I wanted to show people that a, a simple, a quote unquote, simple noob champion like Warwick actually has a lot of playmaking potential and I guess skill involved. Um, so I guess that that's kind of how it goes, you know, way far back. But when it comes to actually picking up Warwick when his rework came around, I always play new champions. I always just like playing like anything that's new. So I was going to play him regardless of what his abilities were for the most part. But I did see his Q, his Q ability being able to follow um, flashes and avoid displacements was like, it reminded me of Mastery quite a bit. So I was definitely really excited, you know, seeing Warwick's rework come out, but I didn't expect to actually one trick him by any means. I thought that I was just going to play him for like a week or so. Or so. But once Warwick's rework came out and I started playing him, I was trying to take the game more seriously and trying to improve. Because before I was just like, wasn't really thinking in my games, and so I was kind of hard stuck like Diamond 3 at the time. So when I started playing Warwick, it, it helps me, because he was so simple, it was really easy for me to just focus on playing the game and uh, just improving myself. But uh, so I actually ended up climbing to Master that, that season, Season 7, for the first time ever. But the reason why I stuck to Warwick is because I saw a lot of potential in the champion. I thought that Warwick had a pretty high skill cap. I guess I don't want to say like the highest, obviously, but I think his skill cap is significantly higher than what people think. 
There's a lot more outplay potential. You can play the, the champion more aggressive than people would think. And uh, I think seeing all that potential with the champion made me want to play him. And on top of that, so yeah, like I said, I like his Q ability a lot. I like his W, being able to chase down enemies. I hate it when people get away when they're low on health. And I also love turning fights around when I'm low. Like, you know, 10% health and just 1v2ing or something like that. So those are all aspects that I think are pretty cool. And there's a few more that I could talk about. But it really comes down to is I just feel, felt like I could see a lot of potential in Warwick that no one else really saw. And I still feel that way. So uh, that's why I stick to the champion. I mean, my goal at the end of the day is to kind of show that off. So I'm trying to climb as high as I can to do that, basically. Right. So that's super interesting because a lot of people, I, I think when you look at Warwick, you wouldn't really say uh, that is the, the most mechanically intense champion or something that has a particularly high skill cap. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you see Warwick differently than other people? Well, I think uh, probably the main thing really just comes to... I mean, just kind of the approach to Warwick, like the, like the first impression people have with Warwick is that he's an easy champion. So no one actually tries to figure him out as much as they could, right? Like if people are going to play Leafs in, they're going to try, they're going to be more likely to uh, go for crazier outplays and everything. But when they're playing Warwick, they're just not going to have that aggressive mindset. They're not going to be thinking about, um, about all the things you can really do with them. And uh, I noticed like in high-low and with like pro players, anytime they've ever played Warwick, they play him for like one game, they lose and they drop him. They don't actually like try to experiment. They don't try to improve on him. So yeah, I really think like kind of just that, like, like looking through that lens of, you know, he's easy to play really prevents people from trying to do some crazier things with him. And I wouldn't really call him mechanically intense. There's definitely a difference between, you know, like the intensity of a champion and also the skill of a champion. Oric has a lot of outplay potential, skill expression through that way. But yeah, he's, it's not like he has to click a bunch of buttons at once. It's all about timing and just knowing your limits and stuff like that, I guess is how I'd describe it. But he does help people learn jungle with his W. People don't have to, um, you know, worry about missing out on information on the map because they just have his W to show him when, you know, when to gank, basically. His lifesteal obviously keeps him healthy as well. And uh, yeah, he's just pretty straightforward, I guess, in a lot of ways. Okay. You mentioned his W. I feel like helping you pay attention to the most important parts of the map, most people would call that macro, right? Being able to figure out where to be at any given time. Um, what can you actually do to get better at macro? Um, I mean, a lot of things can help you get better at macro. So looking at the map is really key, especially in the jungle. And this is one of the things that is nice about Warwick that makes it easier for him to look at the map is the fact that you don't have to constantly spam spells or kite camps. You just auto-attack a camp, you queue it, and then you can have a couple seconds to actually look around the map. So that's probably um, one of the important things that you should pay attention to in general, I mean, especially with Warwick. But as any jungler, it's just easier with Warwick. Uh, that helps you plan your next move, which is crucial in the jungle, because jungle is just all about, yeah, just like pathing. That's really the, the key to jungle. If you... Spend too much time waiting for a gank that never happens or you die, you're going to fall significantly behind. And if you miss out on an opportunity, you're not going to be able to pressure a lane, potentially not going to be able to snowball a lead and et cetera. So, um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to just like macro in general, I mean, it just comes with experience. Um, when it comes to pathing though, like what kind of stuff goes through your mind and how do you try to path well so that you don't end up wasting time anywhere? Okay. Yeah. So good pathing. Um, it takes a lot of discipline for sure. You definitely don't want to want to overforce ganks. Um, sometimes I, you know, I get into that mindset where I, I'm really trying to overplay for my laners. 
but then you quickly fall behind and if you fall behind in the jungle then you're not gonna be able to affect your lanes for like five minutes so literally like a one minute decision could take five minutes off your game plan and is really important but some key th key things to think of is you need to make sure that you're staying um you're keeping up and farm you're farming efficiently make sure you're not skipping camps basically you have to make sure that you're always doing something you always have to be doing something on the map you can't be just walking around wandering you can't be sitting in a bush you're either farming you're pathing towards an objective, doing an objective, or you're ganking. You have to have a goal in mind. And um, yeah, basically, it, the main point is to just think about it while you're taking the jungle camps. But um, some factors you know, to keep in mind is how, how lanes function, what uh, kill opportunities you have available to you. And then also try to pay attention to like the strength of laners and, at the given moment. Um, like if you have a lane that's behind, this is like, you know, a common thing in the jungle is people will... See that they're, you know, they have a lane that's behind and they try to recover it, but uh, you just got to think about, can you realistically get a kill? It is definitely like really big to be able to like shut down a laner that's really strong, but like how realistic is it? If they're too tanky or they have too much damage and you can't go for it, then just sack the lane, play strong side. Strong side is a really important concept in League. So um, yeah, just play around your strengths. I'd say that's probably one of the most important things, I guess, is just play around these strong members in your team. Don't try to make up for the weak members of your, of your team. And if you ever fall too far behind in the jungle and you can't really gank very yeah, well, I guess, you're just weak at the moment, then try to just like full clear a couple of times and get yourself back into the game. It's okay to be useless for like a minute or two if it gets you back in the game. Okay, interesting. Um, how would you kind of assess what is the strong side and what is the weak side? I mean, obviously, if, if top lane has been... <laughs> killed three times then then you know you know you should be playing the bot side but especially from the start of the game how do you know ahead of time who is going to be strong and who's going to be weak this is another thing that just kind of comes with experience i guess you just have to like know how lanes function in general so i guess one of the easiest things to identify especially in like the early game pathing where you start level one if the enemy top laner is for example like the top lane matchup in general is something like riven versus fiora those are obviously two champions that are going to be like constantly fighting early on. So that, that's a really good lane to be able to um, path towards. And if, you know, on the other instance, your bot lane is like, it's like Aphilios and Karma versus Cog Lulu. That's going to be, you know, definitely a lot less or a lot more passive, more of a farm lane. Uh, there's probably going to be more reward there, but um, that's just kind of what it comes down to with early game pathing. But as far as strong side versus uh, weak side in general, it really just comes down to like who's strong at the given moment. Basically, you got to pay attention to ultimate summoner spells and just like who's pushing in lanes and everything like that. Okay, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit, and I I wanted to ask you about your playstyle basically. So I wanted to compare, let's say, your playstyle to an average Warwick player. What kind of things do you do on Warwick that the average player wouldn't know about? Yeah, I'd say on Warwick, I'm definitely more aggressive. Um, that is, that's something I mentioned. A lot of Warwick players are just very passive. They have that mindset that uh, Warwick's just simple to play and just straightforward. But I try to push my limits. This champion has a lot of like healing, and he's really good at skirmishing and dueling. So you want to try to you know use those advantages to you know invade, counter gank, etc. But um, I also do go for like more outplays, I guess. Um, also, when it comes to like team fights, I, I think that's a huge difference between me and normal Warwicks. Is I tend to play like a diver. I like to kill the carries and the mid team and play more like a, like a bruiser slash assassin as opposed to like a frontline tank. 
the key thing with this champion is to look for flanks. If you're looking for flanks, this, this champion does excel, you know, when it comes to finding flanks and diving into the back line. He has a lot of tools to stick with his Q, uh, his alt obviously to lock down opponents. But he doesn't have really have the damage to be able to shred the front line. And he doesn't really have the tools to just run straight through the front line to the back line. So uh, looking for flanks is probably like the most important thing I do in fights. Okay. How how do you do that? Like, how do you make sure you position yourself in order to get that flank? Uh, is it almost like like you're playing Kha'Zix or something and you're trying to to hop over a wall to, to uh, get an isolated kill? Or, yeah, what what do you use to get a good angle uh, for a flank? Uh, I'm not really, I'm not even really sure, honestly. Like, guess how to like you know really describe it. It's just you just got to try to like play around the sides. I mean, just try to like you kind of want to just like play in the fog of war, basically play around the sides, the back line and uh let the enemies get distracted with your team that are in the front line and then you can you know manage to slip yourself in there because there's not there's just not really a good tool for work to run straight through the middle like i like i said and um you can't really hop walls or anything so you just want to just play around the fringe of the fight in the fog of war and find your way into the back cut them off basically all right um i'm also curious what kind of mistakes uh does the average warwick player make that you know how to avoid Oh, yeah, what does the average work player make? Um, I mean, I guess, like I said, playing with when it comes to playing fights, I, I definitely play that differently than most. I will, I'll say a, a really simple one that can apply to like, like anyone or that can help improve a lot of people is a lot of people just don't, um, like I said, when it comes down to pathing and not farming enough, that's really crucial. Work is a very stat check champion who, he, you know, he's a dueler slash skirmisher, so he's going to need to have the stats to be able to fight people back. And if you are just playing too much to, around lanes and you're not farming enough, then you're going to fall behind and you're not going to have that advantage. Like that's the entire point of work to begin with. So make sure that you're farming. Work's a pretty farm heavy champion. Uh, he's not a ganker. He, he can gank situationally, but he can't hard force ganks like something like Elise or Lee Sin or something like that. Uh, he's probably probably more like closer to in play style to something like a Graves, I guess, when it comes to jungling in general. So make sure that you're keeping up in farm. But also just like pushing my limits is, is big. Just be, be, knowing when to go aggressive, utilizing my lifesteal, baiting opponents out. Uh, one key mechanic that I, I guess, I don't even really, really want to call it a mechanic. It's not that hard. But uh, one key concept with Warwick is saving the damage reduction on your E for when you're low. So if an enemy jumps on you, don't use your E right away, even if they use a big burst most of the time. Just fight them. And when you get really, really low, use your E so that you get the damage reduction while your lifesteal is kicking in. And when your lifesteal is kicking in, you'll be much harder to kill at that point, basically, and harder to burst down. You'll be able to turn down around fights. And not, and not only that, uh, the enemy's probably going to be more committed. And then another thing is with my ultimate. Um, I use my ultimate to re-engage fights as opposed to just straight up engage most of the time. It's different if I'm going for picks, of course, but if I'm trying to fight an opponent, I usually don't want to use my ultimate right away. I want to save it just in case they get away so that yeah, I don't get kited and they aren't able to just escape, basically. Um, that, that applies to duels and also team fights. I try not to use my ultimate too early if I don't have to. Okay, that's interesting. So are you, for example, saving your ult to make sure to catch up with them if they try to escape or, or you know, to turn the fight around if you're low? Is that kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, that, that, that's just the idea, basically. Okay, cool. So, yeah, other than that kind of, uh, yeah, I, I like those tricks. Other than that, what kind of tricks do you use on Warwick that give you an advantage in, in those skirmishes? Is there something that you're looking to follow with your Q specifically, for example? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Warwick's Q ability is a utility tool. 
probably, I don't want to say first and foremost, but a lot of people think of it as just damage plus healing, but the utility factor of it is really massive and you don't want to underestimate it. It's really key to successfully team fighting with Warwick and also dueling, of course. So if uh, I know I can just outstat check a champion without Q, I'll just make sure that I'm saving my Q for when I you know, predict that they're going to flash or use a dash or they have a CC ability. So if I'm fighting a Yasuo, for example, I'm going to um, just auto attack him and I'm going to save my Q for when he throws out a tornado so I can Q through his tornado and I don't get knocked up and he can't alt and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, Warwick's Q is just like has so much outplay potential. Not only are you uh, invulnerable to displacement such as knockups, knockbacks, etc., you're also able to follow flashes and blinks. And it's also a dash. If you hold Q and um, with Warwick and you just like, you can basically dash your minions and stuff. So you can actually create some distance, close the gap. Like sometimes if I'm ganking a lane, if the enemy is just out of range, I'll Q through a minion and then I'll use my E to fear them. So that's one thing I do. Um, and on top of that's Warwick's ultimate. While you're in the middle of dashing, like during the animation of his ultimate, not when you actually land and you're suppressing the target, but when you actually are dashing, you're immune to all forms of CC. So while, while Warwick's Q only blocks like knockups, knockbacks, if I'm chasing an Ash, for example, I can ult straight through the Ash's arrow uh, if she throws it out and she won't be able to stun me. And I can like, I guess that kind of goes back to what I said about using Warwick's ultimate as like a more of a re-engage tool. You can also use it to block hard CC. So that's why I like to save it. I don't like to use it right away because you will typically get stunned up or CC'd and just kite it too much if you use it too early. Okay, interesting. Are there ever any times where, uh, when you're engaging a fight, you would use your Q immediately, or are you really always just looking to save it for specific moments? Oh, I'll definitely use my Q immediately, especially if the fight's going to be really, like, really close. Like in the early game, level three crab fights, I'll use my Q ASAP, basically. It really just depends on the state of the game if I'm able to hold it. I mean, yeah, it really just kind of comes down to knowledge with Warwick and knowing when I can win, win or won't win fights. If it's 50-50, then I'll, you know, I'll spam my Q off cooldown for the most part. Unless it's, like I said, unless it's blocking a key ability, in which case I'll save it for that. But yeah, if I'm playing against like an Olaf or something, I'm just going to be just spamming it, you know. Or if I'm not really worried about that key ability for some reason. Okay. Um, all right. I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about the runes as well as the build path for Warwick. So let's start with the runes. Do you always take the same runes or do you switch it up sometimes? I generally stick with the same runes for the most part. Um, basically, since works, uh, well, not since it's rework, since uh, Runes Reforged, which is Season 8's rune rework. Uh, so since, since that came out, Warwick has always gone the same primary runes, Press the Attack, Triumph, and then either Legend Alacrity or Legend Tenacity. I generally go Alacrity. That's my, my default. It's best in most situations, but you can go Tenacity. And then Last Stand. Last Stand has really good synergy with Warwick because he's low in health a lot of the times, so the extra damage is really nice. When it comes to secondary runes, though, I, I usually, you know, keep them the same. It changes basically from season to season or just depending on rune changes. But right now I'm going Celerity and Water Walking for my runes in the secondary. That's in the Sorcery Tree, of course. And I just like the movement speed to be able to roam around the map. I actually used to not like Celerity too much, but with this season, with all the item changes giving a lot of movement speed... I think that Slarity helps me not get uh, outran a lot of times now. So I, I like Slarity this season. But you can go Transcendence. Uh, that is an option. And then also another option is to go Conditioning and Revitalize in the green tree. That That's always like a decent tree that you can go, but it makes you tank here. But um, I like the movement speed, I think, more than the, the extra tankiness and lifesteal right now. 
Okay. In in what kind of situations would you still switch it up? Like when, for example, would you still prefer the the resolve secondary tree? Um, I mean, I guess right now I'm not really switching it up that much. There are some specific scenarios where um I don't know. I guess if I'm playing against some champions that are able to outstat check me a lot, um, maybe I'll go. Or if my team needs more of like a frontline tank, then I'll pre prefer the extra resist from conditioning or vitalize and stuff like that. Or if I'm going against a team that uh, I'm not going to get kited by. So I guess like if the enemy team is like a lot of bruisers, frontline champions, where, you know, celerity isn't going to be that really helpful um, because they're going to be coming at me, then I'll probably go the tankier route. So if playing against like an Olaf, Olaf is a matchup where I always go the green tree just because of that fact. But um, most of the time I, I just take, I take sorcery secondary. Okay. Um as for the items, let's start with your starting item. Do you prefer Red Smite or Blue Smite? And what do you take into consideration when picking that? I prefer Red Smite. Uh, it's just really good overall. Obviously, a lot of people will think about Blue Smite and work because you get kited. But I think if you're playing correctly, most of the time, you're not going to get kited. That said, there's definitely some, some comps where I will take Blue Smite. If the enemy team has a lot of range and just, well, they're just very kitey in general. A lot of range, a lot of dashes and cc and stuff then blue smite can be really good um if they have a lot of that say i'm jungling against like talia or something like that it can help me close the gap but most of the time i like red smite for the extra dueling power helps me um i guess be more be more oppressive to the enemy jungler and uh just amplifies my skirmishing power which like i said is warp's main strength and uh, after that what are you looking to buy on warwick so, um, well, actually, one thing I should actually mention also with my starting items is um, what I've actually been doing the last couple of seasons is I've been just, instead of doing like a refillable potion, I've just been starting one health pots. I'm trying to experiment with going refillable potion in general, but obviously Warwick doesn't need any regeneration in the jungle because uh, he gets it naturally through his, through his lifesteal. So I usually like to have one HP pot or potentially I'll, I'll have a refillable. Uh, I'm trying to, still trying to experiment with that, but... Generally speaking, I'll I'll stick with one HP pot and uh, pop it in a fight so that I get more healing in the early game so that I can yeah be more you know a lot harder to kill with with my E my life steal and my yeah my health potion running. But after that, rush Tiamat. Warwick just needs Tiamat. I I've tried Warwick without Tiamat. Tried to make it work and it's it, it works. It's just not as good. So Warwick definitely needs Tiamat to clear his jungle. And then after the fact, I will go Sunfire Cape is my main mythic right now. I think Sunfire Cape is really, really good. Gives Warwick everything he needs. I'd say the two things that Warwick needs is he needs he needs a little bit of health to, or just tankiness in general so that he doesn't get one shot in fights. He's pretty squishy without tank items. You'd be surprised at how bad his base stats are. Um, but you need a little bit of tankiness and you need some damage as well. Warwick doesn't really have the best scaling damage, I guess. And Sunfire both. So on top of helping him clear the jungle really well. So Sunfire is generally speaking the best mythic item to get. Divine Sunder just got buffed. And I have actually been trying it recently. Um, well, the last few days. And I think it's pretty good as well. I used to not like it, but now I think it is it is solid. I don't know when I'd prefer that over Sunfire yet. But I think it might be an option. Still considering that. Frostfire is also good. Um, like I said, generally speaking, Warwick does need damage, and that's why I like Sunfire. But with Frostfire, if, if say the enemy team is really squishy, or you're just you just have like a big lead and you don't need the extra damage, then Frostfire can help help you stick. So if you're playing against like ranged champions, like you know, trying to kill champions like Graze or Ezreal, then Frostfire can give you that slow so you can stick on your, your enemies as well. Plus it's cheaper, so that is nice. 
And then besides that, another option I will go sometimes is Stride Breaker. And that's also against like really ranged heavy comps, more of a carry oriented item. But of course, you're not going to be as tanky, so it's a little bit riskier. But I'd say that like 80% of the time, I go Sunfire. 80% at least, I'll say. Okay. Other than the Mythic, what else are you looking to buy? Yeah, other than the Mythics, well, after, after the Mythic, you're always going to get Titanic Hydra. Gives you so much work. It gives everything that work wants. It gives them health, damage, AoE clear. It just gives them everything. All the stats on Titanic Hydra is great. And that's probably going to be your biggest power spike this season is Mythic Item plus Titanic. Uh, of course, you'll have to throw in Boots in there as well. When it comes to Boots, how I think of Boots is basically this. I will go Plated Steel Caps as priority if they're good. So if they have like three plus auto attack based champions, keep in mind, I didn't say AD. I think the biggest value when it comes to Boots is the passive. The actual like resist that it gives really isn't that special. So... I don't really build boots for the, the armor or the magic resist or whatever it gives. I build it for the effect. Uh, when it comes to tank boots, that is. Play steel caps and merc treads. But play steel caps are my priority. I pay attention. To, do they have like three plus auto attack based champions? If they do, I'll go it. If they don't, I'll think, do I need merc treads now? Do they have a lot of hard CC that I can get value out of the tenacity? And if they don't, then I default to boots of lucidity. So I, I build play steel caps the most of the time. Occasionally build. Merc Treads occasionally build Boots of Lucidity. But I generally speaking, stick to those three boots. And then after boots, you have basically just a lot of item options. Um, really any bruiser slash tank item works. Items like Sterics Gauge, that's probably my bread and butter. Sterics Gauge is generally speaking going to be best after um, your first three items. But there's plenty of other options. Death Dance, Abyssal Mask, Wits End, Thorn Mail, Randwins. I don't know. A lot of those, those type of items, bruiser items, tank items. Most of them work with work, I'd say. So it's all really situational. But I'd say like the best, the best legendary items in Warwick um, in general would probably be Steric Gauge, Abyssal Mask, and Death Stance. If I was going to assume, you know, what items I'm building the most often, it'd probably be those items. But it all, it is, it is all situational at the end of the day. Okay. So what uh, what is that kind of based on? Like for the Mythic, you you explained how the enemy comp factors into it, but for for those items, when are you looking to buy those? Uh, what what factors go into that? Um, yeah, so like I said, Sterics is like my default bread and butter legendary item that I pick up. It's good in basically every situation. The only time I make sure I don't build it is if the enemy team has a Serpent's Fang. So if they have something like Kiana or like a Zed or something that's building into it, then I try to avoid it. But most of the time, you can just you're fine going that as default. Death Stance is probably your best armor option in general. Obviously, it's more aggressive than the other other armor options. But um, the thing about the burn, a lot of people think Death Dance is a bad item because the burn's mostly useless for most champions. But if you're a champion that life steals a lot, like Warwick, you actually get a lot of value out of the burn and being able to prolong yourself in the fight. So um, yeah, I think Death Dance is pretty good against a lot of bursty champions, bursty AD champions in general. Randwins, of course, is really good against crit. I'll go Randwins if they have like two plus crit champions. I'd say minimum. It really all depends on the situation. If they're not strong, then I won't build it. But if they're if they have two crit champions that are strong, Trinomir and like Yasuo or a Caitlyn thrown in there, then I'll definitely go randoms in that situation. But um, it is more situational. Thornmail is just my anti-healing defensive option. So if I want grievous wounds, but I also want to be tanky, I'll go Thornmail. A lot of times though, I do actually go for uh, Kimpunk Chainsword. I believe that's what it's called. That's the AD uh, Bruiser. Previous wounds item, and I think work 
likes the stats inside him quite a bit, and he's also able to apply it after he has Titanic Hydra because it applies in a cone when he out attacks. So, and it's also more direct. So, if I ever really need Grievous Wounds and my team can't afford to build it, then I probably prefer to go that. But um, if I have already have some Grievous Wounds on my team, but I also want it myself, then I'll probably go into a Thorn Mail. And then Dead Man's is an option. I really haven't been going Dead Man's much recently since it's nerfed. Uh, the tank stats are mediocre right now, um, but it does give a lot of movement speed, helps you close the gap. So if you're playing against a lot of ranged champions, Kaidi teams, then Dead Man's Plate can be good there. Force of Nature for the similar reason as Dead Man's, but if you need the MR. And then Abyssal Mask is just probably the best default MR option right now. I think it's kind of OP. Uh, just amplifies the damage to your team. I'd say... Between Abyssal Mass and Wits Ends, I go Abyssal Mass by default most of the time, but especially if the enemy team, um, or if, if I'm trying to dive a lot, I'll go Abyssal Mask. Uh, you know, try to kill squishies. But if I'm trying to fight a lot of like bruiser tank type champions and I need the DPS, then Wits End obviously can be good in that situation. And then I, you can also go Serpent's Fang as well on Warwick um, if you need the anti shielding. Again, with Titanic Hydra, it applies uh, in, a, in a cone. So. You can actually get really good value out of Serpent's Fang if you need the anti-shield. But uh, it, it does make you a little bit squishy, though, so you prefer not to, not to be the one to have to build it yourself. All right, cool. The, the last question I wanted to ask you on this, just quickly, is I wanted to ask you about skill order, um, as I believe there's actually quite a, a few different options for Warwick here, right? Um, well, I would say, I'd say there really isn't many options. But a lot of people choose the wrong option with work. A lot of people like to max Q first, which in lane is good, but in the jungle, it's uh, not the best because work just gets so much out of his W if you max it straight away. Gives you attack speed for clear speed, gives you attack speed for dueling. And of course, the movement speed helps you gank a lot better. So W max is the way to go for Warwick. Uh, I mean, mainly to just look at like what Q gives you when you level it up. It really doesn't give you that much. It gives you a little bit more healing very very small amount of damage the damage like it really doesn't give you much damage when you put an extra point into q and then uh the cooldown doesn't go down and the mana cost goes up so it really doesn't give you much so q max just isn't the way to go if you're not laning with warwick so w max first um you do start with q i guess i'll say start q w second e third max w and then what i've been doing this season is that i've been putting three points in q after that because I do like the extra dueling power, the extra healing that it gives in the mid game. But then I try to max E after three points in Q. So that's, uh, I have the damage reduction in the team fights. I know it's just really impactful, I've noticed. And I think that's just the best way to skill Warwick right now. Of course, finishing with Q at the end and then maxing R when, when, when you can. Okay, interesting. Uh, so why three points in Q specifically? Why not two or four? I mean, you could do two and four. I do, I do do that sometimes on accident, but uh, it's just kind of the pace of the game, the general pace of the game. It just kind of usually fits. Usually when you're like level like 10 or something, that's when you're doing a lot of skirmishing. So the extra healing with your Q is really impactful. And then by the time you're like level 15, that's when big game-changing team fights are happening. So you want to have your E fully maxed out by that point. Um, you don't want it to wait till level 17 and 18 because it takes forever to get to level 17, 18, obviously because XB is like exponential. So um, you want to make sure that you have your E maxed out by the team fight phase, but the extra dueling power in the mid game can definitely push your leads a little bit more. All right, cool. 
I wanted to talk about the early game for Warwick. So the, the first question on that is, as Warwick, what are your main goals in the early game? My main goal with the early game. So the first thing I pay attention to is lanes. Like I mentioned earlier, I try to you know see which lane is most vulnerable in the early game. Uh, is the top laners, are the top laners going to fight a lot or are they just tanks that are just going to just be safe and farm? Um, I like look at this kind of the same situation in bot lane and that helps determine if I want to start blue or red. Say I want to gank top side early, I'll be starting bot side obviously and I'll do a five camp clear. My two jungle clears are, I do blue, gromp, wolves, red, raptors, and then I do scuttle crab, assuming I'm not throwing in a gank in there. Or I'll do the opposite where I'll do red, raptors, wolves, blue, gromp, and scuttle crab. I do make sure that I do get red before I do the raptors because otherwise it takes forever to do raptors. And I also make sure that I'm spreading the burn around uh, the, the small raptors so that I can efficiently clear it because otherwise it just takes forever. So make sure that you're auto attacking every small camp in your jungle clear every once in a while so that you can constantly have your jungle item and red buff burning on them so that you can maximize your clear and also kiting towards camps. But uh, besides that, uh, after my first clear, I usually try to play for an early fight at Scuttle Crab. I think um, if you get an early kill, like level three, when you're really strong, that is really, really good. Whether it's, it's through a gank or through a, like a duel or a skirmish at Crab. Um, but yeah, you have that, op that option. You can either go for a gank or you can just play for the Scuttle Crab. Um, but after that, I just try, I try to get my team out early. That is like really crucial. Works clear, goes up a lot once he gets his team out. I try not to overforce ganks. Work is not um, able to force ganks very well, so just constantly farm if there's no gank opportunities that arise. Just look at the map, pay attention to what lanes are overextended, how lanes are interact, who's winning, and um, I don't know. I guess there's really not like too much to it. It really is just paying attention to lanes and just constantly keeping up and farm. But level three is going to be like your biggest uh, early game spike, I guess. That's when you have a pretty big advantage against most champions. And then level six. It all changes. That helps you force ganks a lot more when you have your ultimate, of course. Okay. You mentioned um, throwing a gank in there. Are there ever times when you would do a level 2 gank? You said that Warwick isn't great at forcing ganks, so is that even possible? Yeah, a level 2 gank is very rare because Warwick generally gets kited level 2 um, without his E. If he just has QW, they're just going to be able to run away. So the only time I'll ever gank level two is if, like, say, like I started top side and the enemy top laner, the enemy top laner is like twenty percent health or something like that after a trade. Then I might consider going top lane to pick up a free kill. But I, I very rarely look for anything level two. I try not to overforce it because that can be bad. Uh, because of course, you, you know, if you start top side, you, you gank top lane level two, you could lose your bot side jungle to the enemy jungler. So it's very, very risky. I only do it if I know I'm going to get a kill. All right. Um... For the Scuttlecrab fight, do you deliberately try to end up on the same side as the enemy jungler uh, so that you can fight him over Scuttle? Yeah, so there's actually a, well, there's a couple approaches you can have to the early game. If I'm playing against a jungler that I don't think I'll be able to win, win against early on at the Scuttlecrab, then I will consider starting the opposite side of the map um, or trying to predict where they're starting and trying to avoid fighting them. Sometimes that can affect my level one clear or where I start with my jungle clear is I'll try to pay attention to lanes, see which laners can actually help me out, um, rotate to the scuttle crab. But most of the time I'm going to be able to take out enemies at the scuttle crab. I think the key thing to note though, when you are fighting at crab is to 
don't use your E too early on the crab. And like, because what will happen sometimes to me is I'll use my E to just try to kill the crab right away. And then the enemy jungler will show up. And if I don't have my E, that can be pretty bad. So make sure that you have your spells up and make sure that your laners are able to rotate or able to prevent the enemy laners from rotating as well. It really just kind of depends on, um, yeah, just got to keep in mind your teammates basically position. Okay. What do you do if your laners aren't in position to rotate to that? Um, if you see the enemy jungler coming and maybe you could 1v1 him, uh, but you're worried the enemy laners will show up, what do you do in that case? Yeah, it's a it's very simple. You just don't fight the crab. Crab is uh, very overrated as an objective. I say this as someone who's be a, you know addicted to it, but it's it's just another camp. So if you can't take it, give it up. I mean that that's really like kind of I guess the kind of key mindset in like high elo in general is just knowing when to accept giving up things. It's fine if someone dies. It's fine if you have to give up a camp. It's fine if you have to give up an, an objective. Just make sure that you are playing smart and you're making the best move in the given situation. You're gonna have plenty of disadvantages in your game, and you're gonna have to deal with them. But just make sure that that like one death doesn't turn into five deaths, you know, for example. And same with, with Scuttle Crab. Just make sure that losing one crab doesn't result in you dying and having to lose your top side jungle as a result and, you know, stuff like that. You don't want to snowball disadvantages. Okay. And if you cannot take the Scuttle, then what do you do instead? Um, do you just go back to farming? Yeah, I mean, just go back to farming if you can. Um, go for a gank if you can. You can go to the opposite Scuttle if you can. And, um, but if none of those options are really available for you, say like if you lose the top scuttle, you, you also don't have pry over the bot scuttle or you don't have any of your camps up really, probably just resets. Um, I, I'd only really reset though, if I have enough for my pickaxe at least, because otherwise there's no point. Work doesn't need to heal up. He doesn't need extra mana because of the mana item or the, the jungle item. So you can see on the map if you don't have enough gold for something, but, um, yeah, so, so it really just kind of comes down to either going for the other scuttle crab, going back to your Krugs. Like I said, because you, generally speaking, you'll skip Krugs in your first clear, so you can take Krugs if um, there's nothing to do. And looking for ganks, of course, if the opportunity arises. But um, you can also look for an invade as well. So that is something I'll definitely do, where if, like, say, like the enemy is coming from the red side jungle to scuttle crab, I might invade their blue side jungle, because, you know, I'll know that they started blue side and wait for their gromp to spawn uh, in like 20 seconds or something like that so you can go ahead and like do some counter juggling off of that knowing where the enemy uh starts all right lastly you mentioned earlier that tiamat is the most important item to buy early are you always going to recall for it immediately when you can buy it or how long are you willing to wait for it i definitely try to buy it as soon as possible but it's not like like I definitely prioritize getting like, you know, a gank kill off if I can. If, if I can get a kill or something, then, then I'll go ahead and grab it. But yeah, if, if when it comes down to like, let's say I, um, let's just say like, you know, if, if I'm farming my blue buff and that, and that blue buff gives me enough for my Tiamats, but I still have Gromp and Wolves up, I'll go ahead and just finish that entire quadrant in the jungle. But uh, I do definitely try to get my Tiamat ASAP because it increases my clear speed uh, pretty noticeably. Awesome. All right. Um, what are your goals in the game after that? You know, Dragon is going to be spawning. You could do more ganks, or you could just farm to six. Um, how do you usually allocate your time after that first recall? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, just pay attention to lanes, pay attention to gank opportunities, 
and path towards lanes as such. But dragon isn't an, isn't really an objective that I really try to force. I'm not a huge dragon fan. Um, I'll take it if I can, if I have prior priority over it. But I won't like 50-50 coin flip a dragon that much. I do sometimes actually do do like cheese dragon if I think the enemy team would never check dragon the dragon pit. But um, most of the time, I just focus on farming, getting myself to level six. Because I think like Warwick's, uh, I think Warwick just, he's not really like, he's, he is a decent early game champion, but he's usually going to be best when he has a couple items. So I usually try to just farm up a little bit. And then when you have your ultimate, you, of course, you can force ganks a little bit more, uh, skirmish better, duel better. So I usually just try to power farm basically and not overforce anything. Okay. So after that, then once you have your items, what's the plan? Um, yeah, so I, I just try to force fights. I try to gank lanes. I try to invade and be oppressive. Uh, yeah, if, if you have a lead, if you have an advantage, it's best not to sit back in your jungle and just power farm and let the enemy team catch up. Uh, the moment that I know that I can beat the enemy jungler, I'm going to be playing more aggressive. I'm going to be going for invades. I'm going to be um, trying to get neutral objectives such as Rift Herald. That's a good one that I like. And then when my, whenever my ultimate's up, that's usually when I go for a gank, basically. That's usually when I try to force a gank or find a gank opportunity. And then sometimes I will also go for turret dives. That's something I'm trying to work on right now is actually turret diving a little bit better. But uh, that can be really big because turret, turret dives actually are, are really important to um, learn how to do because it's not just 300 gold that you get from a kill. You, the enemy, enemy laner is also going to miss out on a lot of CS as a result. So Plus, you can get placed and everything. So it's a pretty big kill if you can go for that. But... Yeah, I'd say when my ultimate's up, I'm just looking for ganks, and I'm going to be playing more aggressive. Keep in mind, your ultimate can also be used as an escape, so it's perfectly fine to just like completely limit test then. But um, yeah, just try to push your lead by invading and ganking, basically, and going for objectives. Okay. Um, when you say invading, are you just looking to, you know, 1v1 the, the jungler in their jungle, or, you know... Usually, laners try to rotate just to fight you off if you start to invade. What what kind of makes a, a good invade? Yeah, I, sh I should have clarified that. So I, I'll usually be looking to steal camps from the enemy jungler. And um, I'm usually not just straight up hunting for them unless I know where they are. Then I, I might. But um, generally speaking, I'm just looking to steal camps from them. Because of, you know, if I, I'm going to, going to invade if I know I'm stronger than them. So I know if they show up, then I can kind of turn on them. But you do have to pay attention to lanes. Pay attention to who can rotate, how fast they can rotate. So um, that all really goes down into it. But uh, I'm really just targeting camps and trying to get a huge farm lead over my opponent. And that, that in turn, of course, forces fights because, yeah, like I said, if they see you, laners are going to start rotating and you just have to pay attention to if you can fight it or have to back off. But even if, even if you are um, invading and the, and the laners are rotating, the enemy laners are rotating, even if you just have to back off, it's still pressuring them because you're forcing them to leave lane. They're going to be missing CS, missing yeah, XP and gold. So you're still applying pressure to some extent. Okay. Yeah. And finally, about ganking, you mentioned that you don't really try to gank unless your ultimate is up. Um, where do you prefer to gank? Like, if you have to choose between top, mid, and bot, what is your preference generally for where you want to gank? Yeah, I actually, I, I actually prefer ganking top lane. I think that's kind of a sin among junglers. Most junglers prefer to gank bot lane. They, it's just it's the strongest lane. But Warwick has a really easy time ganking top lane. So that's why I usually try to... I, I usually lean towards that. It's usually just a free kill, I guess. Because Warwick's just really strong dueling. 
And then also, uh, when it comes to ganking like bot lane, Warwick's main defensive power comes from lifesteal. So if you're in a situation where like you get counter ganked bot lane, and you're in like a 3v3 or something like that, or even just like a just a simply just a 3v2 situation, you're going to be a lot squishier, a lot easier to kill. So you can't really go as ham as you would in top lane. Um, so I, yeah, it's just a top lane's a little bit easier for work to to gank. On top of the fact that bot lane's usually going to have more CC or tools to escape, I guess. Awesome. So let's say that your team has managed to get ahead quite a bit. Um, what does that mean for your playstyle as Warwick? Uh, how do you push that advantage? Yeah, so uh, forcing objectives is really, really key. Looking for flanks, looking for picks in the side. A lot of times that's the way that, you know, enemies are going to be trying to, you know, fight themselves back into the game. It's going to be trying to farm the side lane to try to, you know, catch up and farm if they're behinds. And uh, those are just free picks for Warwick, really. So I try to pay attention to making picks in the side. I try to invade and take over the enemy jungler's jungle, try to take all the camps that I can, get some vision control. And um, I, I usually just, honestly, like if I'm really ahead, my teammates are ahead, and we're not getting outnumbered, I try to play super aggressive and basically start any fight that I can. Okay. What if it's uh, the other way around and you're playing from behind instead? Uh, for example, if they already took one or two turrets and you know they're creeping into your jungle, what can you do to turn the game around? I try to take favorable fights. I don't try to you know, fight a strong enemy if I'm behind. And I also just try to farm to catch up. Uh, occasionally, I will try to also yeah, take some objectives to stall out the game a little bit more. But um, mostly, it just comes down to just trying to power farm, get, get to your core items, play around your, your item spikes and your team's item spikes, and just yeah, making picks. Like, so, so if we're going for a gank top lane, 2v1 gank, um, and just going for safe plays, basically. Unless, unless you fall too far behind. If you fall too far behind, you might have to just start coin flipping um, fights. It's perfectly fine to go for a 50-50 if you're down 5k gold because the game's not 50-50. So you might as well go for something to help you get something started on a comeback. All right. Um, you mentioned like trying to stall out the game with objectives. How do you do that? How do you get control of, over objectives if you're playing from behind? Basically just choosing objectives. So like um, if the enemy team is preoccupied on one side of the map, you can take an objective on the other side of the map is uh, pretty much what I mean. So like, yeah, if they're like sieging, like top chart or something like that, they have three people sieging, then I might be like, okay, well, we have a 3v2 situation bot side. So I can just start the dragon and uh, get it um, ahead of time. I try not to contest it. Uh, again, like I said, it's if, if your team is behind... If the enemy team is trying to get the second dragon, like don't contest it if you're that far behind and you can't fight it. Don't have to overforce it. Um, but uh, yeah, if I can just cheese it, I'll take it if I can. All right, cool. Finally, I wanted to kind of get your uh, a little bit of a higher level view and ask about the game as a whole. First of all, I wanted to ask, um, how do you try to get better at the game? Ooh, getting better at the game. It's a pretty loaded question with lots of answers, um, and there's a lot of ways you could approach it, but Anytime, any, anytime people ask me how to climb or how to get better at the game, I always answer these two things. So first of all is to focus on improving more than focusing on winning. That is like really, really key because this game, you're going to just tilt yourself and get really, really frustrated if you focus on winning. Um, and also that's results-based analysis. It's not really good, especially with a team-based game, like I said. Make sure that you're making the right plays. Make sure you're making the best plays. Don't play too desperate. 
because uh, yeah, if you're trying to win too much, you'll start making some just poor decisions or, or some really cheesy. You'll go for like cheesy plays that aren't consistent. And that doesn't make you a better player. That just makes you potentially able to cheese one win. Um, so just focus on yourself and always just try to make the best decision at a given time. And then second of all, focus on yourself. Don't focus on your teammates. Uh, don't focus on their mistakes. Don't flame them. Don't get, you know, get caught in team drama. Mute them if you have to. Mute pings if you have to. I mute both. I, I mute pings and I mute chat. I just want to focus on myself and play my own game. Even if I miss out on like, if my, my teammates want me to do something and I don't have pings on, so I can't see what they want me to do. That sucks, but uh, it does save my mental. And also I'm, I guess I'm able to, you know, look at the VOD and say, hey, I should have uh, done this. So I usually don't need my teammates to really tell me what to do, even if I miss out on it at the moment. But yeah, just focus on yourself. Don't focus on your teammates. Uh, and if you ever like feel like your teammates are just are just so bad and you can't stand how bad your teammates are, consider how bad the enemy team is. Honestly, just look at the VOD if you really need to um, for proof. Like you'll just start noticing the, the mistakes of the opponent and um, that can help you recover some mental. You're, you're of course going to have plenty of lost streaks. You're going to have plenty of bad times where you're all terrible teammates. But at the end of the day, um, like I said, focusing on improving is really key because you should basically be most happy with yourself. If you go, let's say you're going, you go like 15 and 0, but you lose, you should still feel good because odds are you played pretty well. If you feel like you played a really good game, you improved, then you should be happy um, at the end of the day because you know that even though you lost that game, that's a good step to winning future games. Um, whereas, you know, if you went like something like 0 10 and you won, it's like, yeah, you won that game, but that just doesn't like, you're definitely not on it. You're not in fire yet. You know, you're not in the zone. So, yeah, I guess those are probably like some of the key things things that I pay attention to when it comes to improving. Okay. You mentioned looking at the VOD and, and looking for your mistakes. I feel like, especially as jungle, you know, compared to laners, it, it, for laners, you can see what is clearly like a bad trade or, or where you get ganked or, or wherever you die, you know, but for jungle, I personally feel that it can be a bit harder to find what is actually a mistake, you know, because there's always so many options and so many different ways you could have done something. Um, how do you know whether something is actually a mistake? Yeah, I think when it comes down to, um, I think it is, it is, it is a kind of a difficult thing to consider. Uh, one thing I'd recommend is actually just checking out, uh, VODs from like higher level players, pro players, et cetera, to compare, you know, try to compare your, their gameplay to yours. Uh, one thing you can actually do when you are doing that, by the way, is, um, uh, the best way to do it is like pause the gameplay every like 20 seconds or something and just start to like consider what you think they're just pa pause and basically je jeopardy yourself think what are they going to do and unpause after you answer yourself what you think they're going to do unpause and see what they actually do and compare and figure out why uh but when it comes to analyzing your own gameplay um you can do something similar i mean just go to your mistakes and figure out why you made the mistakes so like if you died top lane from a bad gank try to think about why that you know why was that a bad gank? Um, was it just doomed from the start? Or is there something you weren't considering? Like a summoner spells or maybe the enemy jungler's positioning? Could you have tracked the enemy jungler? Um, and also, in the same instance, if something big happens on the map, let's say like your, the enemy top laner is, has like 10 HP and you aren't able to be there for the kill, but you're, because you're on the bot side of the map, try to like think, you know, maybe could you have planned this out? Could you have paid attention to the wave ahead of time? and saw that his lane was pushing in and there's a gank opportunity and i guess just stuff like that um it, it really is kind of hard to explain i'm not gonna lie um 
because it's all really case by case basis. But I think a key thing is just, you know, like when the mistakes happen, pause and think about why those mistakes happens. Think about if they're preventable, what you could have done different. And in general, just try to like, yeah, like when you're looking through like a VOD, just try to like pause like every like 30 seconds and think about what the next best play is. Try to slow down the game for you because when you're playing league, you know, everything's just happening and there's just no stopping. But in a VOD, you'll have more time to think because you can just pause and think about it. Um, so you can, yeah, I guess consider your decisions a little bit more deeper without any pressure. All right. I like that. Cool. Um, the final question, what is the best Warwick skin? Best Warwick skin. This is, uh, this is an easy answer. Um, I get asked this every, every time I stream, basically. But um, it's, it's, it's always been essentially the same. It is project work. It's just project work. Project work is the best skin. All of its chromas are also pretty good, um, including the base skin. Like everything, the base skin, the chromas, all all great. Definitely the best um, across the board. After project work, though, um, there is the gold lunar Warwick chroma, which is really nice. Although it, it is rare, like, that was like a one-time thing. So if you have it, great. If you don't have it, it's you know unfortunate. But uh, that's probably the second best skin. Specifically, the golden chroma, and okay. then after after the golden chroma, you have uh, let's see, you have fire fang is one of my favorites, my personal favorites. Lunar guardian is pretty good as well, but um, I guess after those skins, honestly, they're all roughly the same. Work work skins are all pretty, they're all decent, the good. None of them are really great though. The the only one that's like close to great is project work, but uh, the lack of a good W animation, the blood trail is disappointing to say the least so i'm still waiting on a really really nice work skin that i just can't stop spamming basically but project work overall is the best all right awesome yeah this is this has been so much fun uh thank you so much for being on the podcast um where can people find out more about you yeah if you want to find out more about me watch some um work gameplay ask questions etc you can find me on youtube just parnell ex that's P-A-R-N-E-L-L-Y-X. And then also Twitch, twitch.tv slash Parnellyx. And also, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter as well. Twitter.com slash Parnellyx. So yeah, n- nothing really too different in my name. Just Parnellyx across the board. But uh, I try to stream most of the time. And I, I'm also working on posting a lot more YouTube videos. Currently this season, I am starting... I just started a series um, with the goal to get to 1,000 LP. It's called The Hunt for 1,000 LP just a similar rank series to most other ones basically so trying to post all my highlights there so you can keep up with my ranked games and my thought processes there if you want but um yeah all right awesome thank you so much yeah thanks for having me all right that's it for this episode If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, be sure to join the Discord. It'll be the place for announcements, events like the Q&A, and perhaps even giveaways and more. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sending it to someone who you think would be interested in it as well. Thank you for listening.